Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. Well, we're, uh, I'm going to start with our Bible study tip. Every, in this series, we want to give a tip every week. Now, sometimes we blend it right in, and I decided just to start out with a tip. I grew up in the 70s, and I used to have this monster Bible. I still do. And, uh, and I had color coding. Anybody done color coding before? Highlighters, multiple colors. I am always an idealist of how I can do this. So I have my system on my colors, and I begin highlighting. And back then, the more your Bible was marked up, the more spiritual you were. So I was working hard at this. <laughs> they told me it needed to be look a little rough, so I, I, I treated it a little worse so I could look better. And then I'd also write in the edge of the margins. And you always have to have big margins. And, then, and most of you see my handwriting. So you know when I came back with this revelation from Jesus, I had no idea what it was when I reread it. <laughs> but I have found that in the YouVersion app, I can be better person in studying the Bible because here's what I do is you can mark up with different colors. And when you get the wrong color, you just change it. You can edit it. You can have notes for everything. So if you don't have the version on your, on your laptop or mainly on your uh, phone or your, your tablet, it just works great. There's lots of great versions out there, great apps out there. That is so good because you can go in. And uh, so here's, I'm going to give you a little example of what helps me, a little bit of a, of a thing that I've done, is I'm odd. I like to hear, but I also like to read, but I'm a bit dyslexic, as you know. And so having the text there and putting headsets in, it's important, headsets so you're not distracted, and then you begin reading as it goes. You know you can cover Philippians in less than 15 minutes, right, as you're going through, and you can highlight, stop, notes. So what I did is I went through, when I started Philippians, I just started running it in my ears and reading it, and then I began, began looking at every place that it showed Paul's love for the others where you could tell his concern and how he was thinking, speaking in the terms of us, not I. And I was just highlighting, highlighting, highlighting. And I thought, I don't like that color. I just changed it later. So it's that kind of thing. So that's your tip for today. Take it if you like. And now for the show. Here we go. (laughs) We are on the series of People of the King. Some great teachings uh, have been led up. And so I just wanted to uh, talk about this concept before we get into the specifics. We, we are people of the king. That may sound a little strange to some of you, but Jesus is absolutely the king, and the, this is terminology that's used in the New Testament, and we are citizens of his kingdom, and he has a rule and reign that we can actually enter into something, really enter into it, and become a citizen of the kingdom, and be under his rule and reign, and our life changes dramatically. So we say, when we say, do you, do you, have you, are you a follower of Jesus? We're, saying, we're always saying, have you come into the kingdom? And by his grace, we can be welcomed in. And the thing about this is, we as people of the king, we operate differently than the world. And as we look at that, we live our lives in a place that we live in community. If you think about all the ter- terminology that talks about this, is that, you know, that we are a spot that we're a child, and so there's an individual thing that we have an intimate relationship with our father, but we got brothers and sisters. And we're sheep, but we're part of a flock. And you can just go on and on as you look at that. We're a body. We are not the whole, and we are interdependent upon one another. 
And this is a way that we are to live as people of the king. And even a kingdom, if you think a, a, a flourishing kingdom is when everybody knows their particular part and cares about everybody else, right? And so as we talk about that, we've been talking about this place of the we and the, the us in this place of Scripture that we often, in America, narrow it down to the I and how we need to be looking at it more through that lens. We also have very different views. We view things through eternity, not 60 or 70 or 80 years old. You know, we, we, we think, okay, this is where we're viewing our life. Uh, we, uh, we see differently. But today what I want to talk about this unique thing about the people of the king is that we can find peace and life even when life is very hard. We can find peace and freedom and life even when life is extremely hard. And so as you look at the letters of Paul, what I want you to be doing is you're thinking about the particular circumstances that the Philippians were in and that Paul was in specifically in prison, and you think about those things and you start thinking about your own circumstances. Circumstances are a pretty big deal. They can affect us in really big ways. And so as we go through this, I want you to be thinking just kind of like, what are my circumstances, right? The kind of way you put it like this is, if you think of your life as a book, it's being written, right? And you have circumstances that you can look back that have been written, the things that have happened to you in your past. And then you have your present circumstances that you're in right now. And then you also have a place of, what are my circumstances are going to be in the future? And those things are all affecting us. And what I want to encourage you in this spot is to begin thinking about those three areas in your circumstances. And how do you view those circumstances you've gone through and the circumstances that you're in presently and the circumstances you think might take place in the future? Because if you had a book, you could go flipping back to your history and you could put your finger on it and it may be a time in that sentence or that paragraph or maybe that page or maybe that chapter that it didn't look very good and your circumstances were really difficult. You might go to the next page and they're amazing. Right? This is life. Life has a variety of circumstances, but we're going to particularly talk about what about those places that circumstances are extremely hard, and how do you see those circumstances? Because what Paul is saying, we see through the whole, you know, we talk about the book of joy, but you have to realize it's coming from someone who's in prison, right? We forget that part. And understanding that what is this thing that allows us to live in this way, even rejoice when the circumstances we're going through or have gone through or will go through could have be very hard? How do you live there? Now, so what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about this place of God's sovereignty and his peace. And so when I think about God's sovereignty, uh, you know, it's Pretty, if, you, if you narrow it down to its most simplistic definition is God is in control. It's really good to know. He's actually in control. And the reason he's in control is because he has supreme reign. He's over all authorities, so he's fully in control. He's above all. He created all. He holds all things together. And guess what? He is our king, so we're in good shape. You know, if you look at the Old Testament, especially for the prophets, it's really God's first name, you know? Sovereign God, Sovereign God, Sovereign God. You'll see that in Ezekiel, you'll see it in all the different prophets, all the way through the New Testament. You'll see that if you just do a search, you'll look and see, Sovereign God. You look in the New Testament, it talks about these places who are messing up the church and promoting heresy 
Uh, and it says that, here's how bad it is, Peter says, it, it, it says, they're even denying the sovereignty of God. Because if you deny the sovereignty of God, you don't have a God you can trust. You know, they start looking at, so what does it mean? How does God's sovereignty operate in circumstances? Well, if you think about, you know, uh, how the Philippian church got started, remember that? Beaten with rods, Paul and Silas, thrown into jail, and about midnight they were at peace because they knew the sovereignty of God. But you say, well, yeah, that's good because eventually they, it, it all worked out in that moment. The earthquake came and they got out, you know? But they were singing the hymns before that happened. You understand? And then you look at this, say, okay, well, what about this sovereignty of God? A couple chapters later, Stephen is doing exactly the same kind of things that Paul and Silas was, and he had people gather around him, grinding their teeth, and stoned him to death. God is in control. God is sovereign in all those circumstances. And what you see in Stephen is a peace and a freedom. Why? Because he understood that God is sovereign. So, I want to bring Grant up here. By the way, anybody that know Grant, he's like the guy that cheers you up just by walking in the door, man. So give Grant a hand. Come on up. You're going to have him. I'm going to have Grant read our, read our text today, and we're going to dive in here. I'll be green in a second here. This is Philippians 1, 12 through 26. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage and now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh, flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. 
so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Thank you. You know, as we, uh, as we look at this, um, we're just going to focus in on a couple parts of this because really the you understand the, the context here is he's in jail, likely in Rome, most theologians would say. He's uh, at a spot in which that he has some privilege because he's a Roman citizen, but he's, it's jail, and he has to be taken care of. A lot of people have been ashamed of him. A lot of people have abandoned him. A lot of people who he poured their life in and partnered with are no longer partnering with him. And he's in that spot in which he's imprisoned unjustly, and even though he believes that he's going to get free because he feels like God's telling him he'll be out again, he knows he could be killed and he, this may, he may get executed. So this is his context in which he's writing these, these words to the Philippians. And, uh, and the Philippians are pretty upset because they're very close to Paul. And uh, they are in a town that's uh, basically in Philippi. Right after the church got started, it became a Roman colony. And it really became a retirement center for all the military people of the Roman army. And so it was very much high emperor worship. And, and they're in there, and they're finding themselves as the Philippians having a persecution break out as they begin getting honest about what they believe about Jesus. And there's a lot of fear in sharing that. And not only that, is, by the way, our best guy, who's a Roman citizen, actually, is in prison now. And that didn't bring a lot of confidence. And so at this point, in that context, we start looking at what, what Paul is saying, and we look at it and says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me is really served to advance the gospel. So what has happened to Paul? Well, the things I talked about, you know, he, he basically has been falsely imprisoned. What has happened, he might get executed, <laughs> What has happened is he's at a spot that this has been dragging on and on, and he's still in prison, and he longs to be out of prison, and he's restricted, all right? And, and he's basically saying, I want you to understand, they're, they're saying something's gone wrong. You guys ever read that spot where your circumstances are telling you something's gone off the rails here, right? And the Philippians are saying, you know, this isn't good. Nothing's good about this, and he's basically Getting this, they're getting this letter, and he's saying, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And he says, and I rejoice. I rejoice in what has happened to me. He says, yes, I rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and help, the Spirit of Jesus Christ will turn out, it will turn out for my deliverance. Now, as you just think about these things, that he wants them to know. And this is for the church. This is for us. You know, the Holy Spirit through Paul wants you to know this. That the things that are happening and the things that happened in your life and the things that will happen in your life are there and God will use it for his purpose and plan. And you say, well, you don't know what's happened in my life. It's ugly. It's painful. It's wrong. Yeah. That's what Paul was experiencing as well. And he says, 
By the way, I have these certain people who are actually out there just stirring things up just so I can have more pain that I thought were my brothers in Christ, right? This is, it's wrong. It's unjust. It's unfair. And so in the middle of these very unfair, hard and painful circumstances, he goes, I know. And we can tell by Paul, he knows this. And what he's longing for is for the church of Philippi to say, I know it too. And, and it, what it does in him, it's, and he goes through this whole list of saying, it's done all, he can start, he can already glimpse because he's so certain that the things that are already starting to happen, even though he's not out of prison, even though he's, his death sentence, he could still, still, still be uh, executed, he's glimpsing people are talking about Jesus more. So he's beginning to see what's happening. He's beginning to understand that people have confidence to speak and boldness to speak. And he also knows that it, it, for him personally, it's giving him a spot where he's living now in this eager expectation and hope in the middle of all this. And it's not just that he'll get out, even though that's part of it. It's that knowing that his deliverance, I know this is for my deliverance, and his deliverance, if you read it, it is, he does believe that he will probably get out but his deliverance is like, it could be one way or the other. I could get out or I could be killed. That's, I mean, like, either way is okay. It's all for my deliverance. You see what he's saying there? The circumstances do not overpower the sovereignty of God. Right? Now, this is something maybe you've heard, but if you don't lean into this, this changes the way you live. Now, the sovereignty of God brings, God's sovereignty brings peace and freedom and even joy in places that would normally bring places of anxiety and fear, restrict you. Don't you ever think, my, my circumstances are so restrictive right now, right? I can't be happy with these circumstances. And Paul is able to continue to do this because he understands the sovereignty of God. You know, the thing about this is that make, I want to make sure it's really clear that he's, he's... Paul understands that God's activity and his working powerfully and him working his plan, you can't tell it by how good or bad the circumstances are. And he's not saying circumstances don't affect me or aren't painful. He does. If you're a good human and sane, you do, want, do not want bad circumstances. So he's not saying, I, I really love this. No, it's painful for him. But the thing about it, he understands that God being in, in control and sovereign does not mean that we do not have trouble and experience injustice. In fact, he talks to the Corinthians, says this, basically I'll paraphrase some of it, I've been uh, whipped a number of times, more than I count, I've faced death again and again, I've received five times lashes from Jewish leaders, 39 lashes, three times I've been beaten with rods, I was stoned, almost died on that one, and uh, I was shipwrecked, I faced danger from nature and robbers and sleepless nights. There's times I didn't have much to wear and I was cold because I didn't have enough clothes. 
So he's, he's not saying that he enjoyed these times. But he is saying, I know bad circumstances. But what I know is God is sovereign. And he doesn't change who he is. Now, the hard thing about sovereignty of God is when you're in that space that is painful, that is dark, and many times even confusing, when you're in that space when expectations that you had don't happen, and you hope for something, it doesn't take all those kind of places, when you're in those kind of circumstances, you're, it's very hard not to see anything but this white in front of you. If you ever looked at, if you imagine a masterpiece painting, an oil painting, a large one, and you go and you zoom in on just a tiny bit of it with a microscope, and all you see is some black and green globs of paint. They don't seem to have any shape or form. But then as you back off, you see that there is an unbelievable, beautiful plan taking place in a creation that you could not have seen before, right? If you think about this place of, you know, a book in your life, it's like you can go to people's books in their lives and you can go to certain chapters and places and write, if, you, if, you, if I could... If you had your own book of written out of all the things that you feel and, and experienced in life, and you go back to those moments in which circumstances were really painful and hard, it was really hard to see beyond that. Wasn't it? And then we find ourselves in places with circumstances we start getting this battle of like, I... I'm in battle with trying to get my circum. I'm trying to make the bad circumstances better than they were in my past, and I'm trying to get better circumstances for my present, which is all normal. And I hope my circumstances are better for the future. But we live in a place that just holds us captive, because we don't know where circumstances will go completely. But we do know, God is good, and God is sovereign, and His plan will not be taken off track. Now. You know, we use a phrase around the vineyard is God is always working. And we believe that with our heart. Right, right now, I believe God is working every one of you in some way. You may be pushing them away or shutting them out or trying to open up, but he's there pursuing and speaking. He's a very loving, pursuing God. And, uh, but we have to understand it's in the middle of places that are difficult, we... We, we can get glimpses, like, okay, I know, a, we could have talked about the story with the Bangamenge for a day. <laughs> There's so much that has happened over all this period of time. And we are now able to look at something and watch God's plan take place, right? Can't you feel that? Like, wow, this horrible thing is redeemed, and there's these things happening, there's a reason for these places and all these things that took place. and we're, all, A few of the puzzle pieces are coming together. We can kind of glance and see the beauty of God in this, can't you? But if we go back to the page in the book where Emmanuel 6 
fleeing the country with his mom because people stole all the cattle and burnt the village. It feels really different there. But I'm telling you, Emmanuel and the Pongamenge have taught me more about sovereignty and trusting in the sovereignty of God of any people I've ever been around. I can look in my journals. <laughs> I'm reading these parts of my journals of my life, and basically I'm saying things like, what went wrong? Where are you, God? This is not what I expected. I'm in pain. Right? <laughs> when you're in the middle of those things, but now I can read those same journals and see what God did over those places that I thought nothing good could come out of. This is just the way God operates. And what we have to understand is our place in this place is trusting that God is sovereign. And coming to a place we actually know it you know what I mean? We don't just theologically ascend to it. We begin understanding that. You know, uh, I had this example that I hated to use because it was used so much when I grew up. But that's the back of a tapestry. It just fit as I kept thinking about it, so I decided to use it. <laughs> Have you seen the back of a tapestry? It's about as ugly as it gets. <laughs> On this side, when we're in the middle of things, sometimes this is all we can see. We just see a lot of knots and threads and mixed up stuff and twisted around things. I don't think, this ex I don't think they expresses it quite enough. It's that on fire, okay? That's, 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 that's what we feel sometimes, right? It's just things are hard, right? But God's working, right? And then there's these moments that we get to see a little bit more on what's, like, what's, what's on the other side, Right? It's connected, right? And God, and there's times you have seasons. We, there's things in my life that I may never see what's happening to heaven, but he's gracious in many ways, and there's a number of little times that he gives me glimpses that he's working in the middle of the pain that I'm in, in the middle of circumstances. And so... I just want you to be in a spot where you can start knowing and to begin asking God to start showing you how to look at your circumstances. So here's my invitation today. The worship team can come on up. Ask God to help you see your past, present, and future circumstances in light of God's sovereignty. Just begin. It's something God has to do. But begin asking Him to teach you this truth of who he is, that he is sovereign, that he is using all these things in your life and there's a purpose and his plan in it. And then pray for and come alongside those who are in the middle of hard circumstances. Have you ever had those times where you say, you're in a terrible spot and that person comes beside you and says, it's all going to work out, you know? <laughs> when you're in infertility, oh, you'll have a baby soon, I'm sure of it. I know a friend of mine and oh, that's not what I needed. But having someone come aside me and say, I want to help give you trust that God is still working right now in this moment. And I want to come alongside you 
and bear that burden with you as you're in that hard circumstances. And, and on your behalf, bring God into it and bring truth into what you're feeling right now. Right?